Hey, everybody. Welcome. Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 89. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Not much. We're uh, having a good week this week, uh, trying to get into the swing of things. You got a lot of good stuff happening. It's uh, it's it's going on. Good week. Positive things. Positive energy. Focus. Good chief. Achievement. Yes. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can check us out, as always, at skibumpodcast.com. The socials, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, soundcloud.com slash highfalutin dash skibum. Apparently, we were telling you the wrong SoundCloud address, but since we have one follower on there, it really doesn't matter. But it's all fixed now. We do have our we have the latest episode out there, so we're uh, we're trying to make some waves and get some SoundCloud action going on. So also check us out on Pinterest as Highfalutins, and if you can, please go to your favorite podcasting app and review us and tell them you love us and you need more of us. Five stars, thumbs up, whatever the most positive thing is, we would really appreciate it. If you need instructions, two on, fingers, whatever, whatever whoa, you got, holy cow, whatever got, you want to give us, that got real. Uh, if you need instructions on how to do it on iTunes or Stitcher, you can go to our website, skibumpodcast.com. We have a dedicated blog post to that. And with that, Whew. out of the way, finally. Oh, uh, yeah. I should really just record that and just pipe it in every time. I heard a comment from a former podcast member yeah. that said it's very long at the beginning. We'll, we'll think about it. We'll, we'll have to have a, a, a roundtable on this. We need infor- people need the information. Well, let's roundtable this. We'll, we'll, we'll chart this out. We'll circle back. Green map it. We'll all talk about it. <laughs> all right. So we're on to operate today. Yes, indeed. Uh, having a good week, so it's a good operate. We're on a Friday. Actually, it's operate time. Yeah, we're doing this on a Friday. And uh, Mario, what are you drinking? So, I got to start out, if anybody's been watching Instagram, um, hope nobody from work is listening, but I had a 120 for for lunch. Ooh. Little dogfish head, 120, five-year aged in the barrel. You're a bad man. So, 2011 dogfish. It was good uh, aged. But right now, I am having uh, Magnify Brewing Company, our buddies at Magnify, uh, and their second anniversary, they're celebrating tomorrow with a special can release. I might be there, get some of that beer for next week might be pretty it's good been two years they've been up so huh? yeah that's, that's crazy yeah we're uh we gotta we gotta have them on the show again we interviewed them and i looked it up it was because we talked about it last week it was episode 16 wow sweet 16 that was shortly after they opened yeah it was uh maybe a month or so after month or two wow it's baby steps we're in lockstep with magnify it's like our our we're working in parallel it's our brother beer yeah uh, so anyway, I'm having the contractual obligation. We talked about this last week. I love this stuff. Uh, it's the double IPA, uh, 8.5%. And it is made with grapefruit and mangoes. Mm, mangoes. Very good. It's like yeah, that's the one that I had last week. And then m- me, myself, this week, I am having the one that you had last week, which is the Magnify Brewing Headaches. And this also is a, a double IPA, but it's a little... A little lighter, a little easier drinking. Good flavor, right? Very good flavor. Not as, not quite as fruity as the contractual obligation, which is really, really good. But this one is also very tasty. The, um, the, I guess the reason they call it headaches is it's so light drinking. You don't think there's a lot of alcohol in it. And at 8.5, you have a bunch of them. It's 8.2. 
eight point two, you're gonna have a headache after. So that's yeah. kind of where that comes from. It's a little I warning, think. a little yeah. warning, perhaps, which is good. May ha- may cause headaches. Yeah. So really good stuff they're putting out in Magnify. So thank you guys for putting out awesome beers, and hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast in the near future if we can pencil you guys in. Oh, oh. we got a full ouch, we got wow. a full dance card coming up wow. in the next few months. Ouch. Ha. <laughs> um. All right, so while we're talking Opry Ski, uh, nice story on Vice. They're, they're talking about how uh, why bartenders secretly love Costco booze. <laughs> now, you shop at Costco a lot, right? So you kind of... I sure do. You may even say I was there today. Were you? I may have been, yes. Nice. Get in there before the rush on the weekend. Oh, God, that place is just misery. You know what? You got to go. Monday is the best time to go because everybody's gone on the weekend already. Mm-hmm. Go Monday after work, boom, in and out. Not a bad move. Yeah, but they do, uh, it is tough. And one of the things this article talks about is, you know, a lot of times, these are bartenders talking, and a lot of times, you know, you always have to have the craziest, newest, small batch. Oh, my my cousin makes his own bitters, and they're making this bathtub gin, and it's delicious, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. P. Diddy made it. So, yeah, everyone's, <laughs> yeah, everyone's talking right. about small batch and fancy, and, you know, people often, you know, elitists in different categories will often shun the the big mass market stuff but costco they they get legit sources for all their their kirkland signature branded alcohols they've they do a variety now i mean used to be vodka i guess was their one of their first ones they did and that one i've had the vodka i've had their champagne is actually pretty good really they don't tell you where the vodka sparkling one yeah they say the vodka's I think it says product of France, and there's always the rumors going around that it's the same people who make Grey Goose make the Costco one, and like no one's going to confirm or deny either way. But they do uh, a rum, they do a gin, they do bourbon, they do tequila. I had their, we had that, you had their bourbon, right? We had it at one time, I think. We had it yeah. somewhere. Yeah. It wasn't bad. I think we brought it to the ski house or something. Yes, it was, uh, it was single malt, uh, single batch or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty good, actually. It's not bad. Now, they're tequilas. They do three different kinds. They do the uh, the silver, the reposado, and the anejo. And the anejo is really good. Hmm. The article talks about who sources it, and they're not sure, but they have mentioned that perhaps Sousa makes it. Oh, wow. I have it at home right now, and I usually add it to the Costco with alcohol margarita mix to kind of kick it up a little bit. And I got to tell you, it's a, it's quite delicious. It's drinkable straight, too, if you want to. Hmm. Not bad at all. So we're big fans of the Kirkland alcohol, and if you have one near you, you should. it's worth experimenting because everything is really cheap. Yeah, I mean, there's the the sparkling wine, champagne. I don't know. I think they actually might have champagne, which means it's from the region. So mm-hmm. if you if it is from the region, that's kind of legit. You know what I mean? Uh, it was pretty good, though. They make beer, too. They have, like, their own line of, uh, of beers. I forget who Budweiser. them. Budweiser. Not exactly. They do sell... No. No, they sell their own, you know, their own different... I know they have a variety pack, which has at least four or five different kinds. And there's hmm. like a Porter, like a Stout, an and It's ale. their own brand? It's Kirkland, yeah. Because I know... Well, there are some... So there are some companies that actually disappeared off the map. Like Stroh's was one of them. They disappeared off the map, and they just turned into brewing for other people. I wonder mm-hmm. if it's like stuff like that, where they get somebody to brew for them. They definitely get someone to brew for them, but I don't know if it's a... You know, I don't think it's... Something that's closed down. I think it's something that's you know still up and running. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know for sure. But yeah, you know everything I've had has been you know at least decent. So hmm. it's worth giving it a shot, especially if you know if there's a particular 
kind of alcohol you're into and they make a version of it, you know, it's it's not worth it's not a big deal to spend, you know, twenty bucks on a bottle to give it a try. Especially if you're mixing or something with it. You know, oh, mixing definitely, yeah. If you're having it, you know, straight up, you gotta test it out, see if you like it. But if you're mixing, I mean, you definitely don't wanna you don't wanna go cheap, but you also don't wanna spend a lot of money sometimes. So it's kinda like it's a good mix. It's yeah. Good middle ground. No pun intended. A good mix. Good mix, boom. Yep. Nailed it. All right, now it's time for getting in the gondola. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got your gloves? Got your boots? Got your skis? Got it all, man. In my mind, I still am going up in the gondola. I can picture it right now, and it's glorious. So this week, we got Frank's Bean of the Week. Frank's Beans. So thank you, Frank, again for your contribution. And his contribution this week is a little strain called Devil's Tit. What's that? What is Devil's Tit? Well, thank you for asking. Tit, besides tit. Devil's Tit is from Snow High Seeds and is a potent, heart-pounding speed demon that will put even the most seasoned sativa enthusiast to the test. A sativa cross between Durban Poison, Acapulco Gold, and Cinderella 99. This strain provides an exhilarating body high that makes for an excellent one-hitter quitter or a welcome challenge for sativa lovers looking to test their boundaries. Hmm. Avoid this strain if you suffer from anxiety as the effects will naturally get your heart racing. Nice. I actually like the... So Leafly has the reviews of it. Yeah. And they have one guy. After sucking on the devil's tip, my mind was relaxed, open, and creativity was flowing. (laughs) And then there's one guy that gave him one star, guy or girl... Hell no, first strain to make me psycho paranoia in a while. <laughs> At first, when my dealer introduced me, I laughed because who the hell would smoke a strain named Devil's Tit? What's next? Illuminati strain? Anyway, the strains come sweet. So it's pretty cool. I love what, uh, listening to like the different experiences people have. Yeah. Gives you a good barometer for how it might affect you, you know. There was only one person that had that crazy review. Everybody else was pretty good. Yeah, it said it's good for headaches, depression, fatigue, inflammation, and lack of appetite. But yes, if you're uh, anxious or paranoid, you might want to steer clear of this strain because it may uh, get you freaking out a bit. If you're already afraid about getting arrested for something, don't smoke this. <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> you're hiding under the bed like, they're coming for me, man. Yep. Cool. All right, so uh, while we're in the gondola bunch of stories. So there's a cannabis retreat that's going to make the vacation industry a little bit more chill. So um, there's actually a retreat in Ojai. It might be OJ. OJ. Original Jared. Original Jared. So it's in OJ. But anyway, it's a a gourmet cannabis uh, pop-up where you, you come in, they have like a cannabis chef and like a sommelier almost. That actually goes through, you know, the different strains they have. Uh, it's a five-day retreat. Yeah. And they call it Cannabliss. Cannabliss. Yeah. Nice. So they say the morning breakfast will include sativa strains, uh, which gives a nice boost of energy and concentration for physical activity. And then they do like hi- uh, hiking, yoga, things like that. Middle of the day, they have a hybrid strain uh, to inspire creativity for different workshops like mm-hmm. painting and writing. Um, and then at night, everybody gets a little bit of indica, help everybody sleep and go back to their rooms and chill out. So it's a pretty nice little setup. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, how do we get into this place? 
I think you just show up with a pile of cash and you just go. I want to know how much That's, it is. Yeah, we talked about that one place last year, that Bud and Breakfast place that was going up in Colorado. But I think something happened and it was either delayed or canceled. Mm. But it looks like they, um, it looks like it is back open or at least planning to open, which is good. But, you know, you know, once other states start legalizing it and get things up and running, you know, they're saying Massachusetts, you know, of course, California, this is going to start getting popular too. I mean, you know, a lot of people who are, who've maybe they, you know, smoked a little bit when they were younger and then, you know, had a family and grew up and kind of got away from it. They they might not realize the the positive benefits that people are starting to you know report on and do studies on. So this is going to open up a lot of people, I think, to you know re-experiencing cannabis, what it is, and you know how it can benefit people. Well, also for recreational use, it's kind of like all right, cool. You're going out like they have all all you can drink places. Pretty much all inclusive. You go anywhere in the Caribbean and Mexico, any cruise ship. Yeah, you can go get you know hammer on rum and cokes, and that's fine. Why shouldn't you have something equivalent for cannabis? Yeah, you know I think it's a good idea. Uh, also, I mean, if if you think about medically, it's a good idea medically, like for people dealing with maybe um, going through uh, chemotherapy or, or some kind of ailment, have a nice little retreat, something for them to you know maybe help with their, ease their pain and kind of get away. That'd be kind of cool, too. Have a little exercise and nature. You know, it, it seems like a, a much, much better alternative to, than over-medicating, which a lot of people seem to have a problem with. Well, right now, too, yoga, yoga retreats for the past few years have been pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people that have gone out to um, that big one out west, the out in... Burning Man. <laughs> no, there's a big yoga. It's like a yoga wellness retreat. Um, the one where Oprah took her people. Bikram. It's uh, Is it Bikram's thing. <laughs> no, no, not that one. That guy's fucking crazy. A uh, million dollars for a drop of my sperm. <laughs> but they have them. You know, they have That's them on crazy. the East Coast. They have big ones out west, and it's a lot of just like chill out. You do yoga. You eat well. You do some exercise, hiking. You know, meditation. You add cannabis into there, and I'm telling you, you're, you're enhancing that whole experience. Do like yoga cannabis retreat? Oh yeah, yoga wellness cannabis. I mean, that's you know, uh, I think it's a it's a great idea. Plus, you're creating this the demand, and once you have the demand, you know, now it's hey, why don't we have one in our state? Exactly, just staying. Yeah, and speaking of that, the good folks of Vermont, they could be looking at legalized cannabis in the very near future. Boom! How near future? That is that'll be determined next week. It looks like. Ooh. As of this week, though, both Vermont's House and Senate have approved of a bill that will legalize cannabis in the state of Vermont, and it allows also for growing for residents and uh, Is it growing possession, possession. Growing in possession. I'm trying to find the exact numbers here. I think it's at least two plants and a uh, possession of up to, an, I think, an ounce. Two plants is perfect. You got one you're going to have, and the other one you're you're maturing. Yeah, it's not a bad plan. So it's gone to Governor Phil Scott's desk, and all he has to do is sign the bill, and they're and it's legalized. Sign it, dude. The only problem is no one knows what he's going to do with this bill, since he has not really taken a side on the debate. 
He uh, he's the new governor. He just got voted in this past November, and the previous governor was all for it. He would have legalized it, you know, had he oppor- had the opportunity. But last year it got caught up in the, uh, I believe, the House, and they couldn't get it passed. So they had to reboot it, change it up. I think Phil Scott is a a visionary. I think he's going to prove it. I I hope he does. If he wants to make a big political splash and help his career, I think he's going to prove it. He's saying he's going to review the bill, and uh, he's been pretty clear that he'd like to see some improvements to the bill to make sure we have structures in place that provide safety to Vermonters. So he, he, you know, gave the typical politician bullshit answer when asked what he's going to do. But again, only, I think only he knows right now what's going to happen. It's got to be hopeful. Yeah. I mean, in Massachusetts and Maine, they both passed legalization last year. And for New England, that's going to, you know, the first one to do it was going to be the one that was going to, you know, make a ton of money for the state. Hmm. And I know Massachusetts had some issues with their, the way it was voted on has been changed now by the politicians, which is, of course, bullshit, but it's also politics. And Maine, I know they were trying to, there were people trying to fight it and that didn't go through. So it's still going to take a little bit of time for both those states to be up and running. But Vermont is the first state to have done it um, in a way that is passed through the government. Because most of the states did referendums that the people voted on. But Vermont, because their laws and their constitution is a little bit different, didn't allow that sort of that sort of structure to be voted on. They actually had to pass it through the uh, legislative process. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're they're working on that. And uh, again, it's with the governor now. So I don't know the Vermont, you know, constitution, how it worked. I don't know if, if the governor vetoes it, if they can re-vote, and if they have a certain, like a higher majority it goes through. I have no idea. But huh. more to come on that. But it's nice to see that, you know, despite the attempted resurrection of the war on drugs by our silly bitch attorney general that all these states are kind of like, yeah, no, that's dumb. We're going to do our own thing and we're going to do it right. So good for you, Vermont. Make it happen. Make it happen, Captain. Come on. Come on, Scotty. Phil Scott, you can do this. You do it, man. Be a pioneer. Do it. Just do it. Have some freaking bulls. Do it. Do it. (laughs) All right. Do it. So next we go into the area of research. So in the Gondola, we often talk about the benefits of cannabis. And they're doing a lot of research now that's become legal um, in certain states, but they've been doing a lot of research um, elsewhere. So there is the University of Bonn in conjunction with... Um, that's in Germany. Germany. University of Bonn, uh, along with their colleagues at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. That's in, in Israel. Israel. <laughs> Look at that. Germany and Israel passing Com- the peace pipe. Coming doing together. Doing some research. Finally coming together. That's right. Um, but they're actually doing research, and you know this is good to see because now a lot of universities here are starting to do research, and it's they're going to get the benefits out of you know what can we get out of cannabis and the, the medical beneficial properties of it, which now that we're actually making it legal, we're able to do the research, which just pisses me off that we haven't done it for a long time. But anyway, let's get back to this research. So they're saying um, there is uh, the research they're doing is that cannabis reverses the aging process in the brain. So um, they're, they're saying everything from just memory to treating dementia and other conditions, uh, it's actually been shown 
uh, like, you know, because the brain uh, ages and it actually starts slowing down a little bit. And there are things you can do, like, um, I know there are mind games, mind games, there's, you know, little (laughs) uh, games that people play on the computer to, like, enhance their memory and focus and things like that, like brain games. Uh, the, one of the sites. What was that other? There's an app recently that all, all the different podcasts always had advertising. There's brain games I've played. That was an app. And there's another one that was by, oh, I forgot the name of it. Lumosity, Lumosity or something? Lumosity, yeah. Lumosity, yeah. Those are, they're really good, but you got to pay. It's like a subscription thing. So you yeah. got to really be like into it. And then when you're um, smart enough from all the games, you go, I don't need this stupid app. And that's when you've actually cleared the last level. That's the, that's the boss is to stop paying for the app. Boom. You've achieved You've chosen wisely. Yes, exactly. You, you've, you've got yourself out of the matrix. Welcome. You win. Welcome to life. You took the red pill. <laughs> but hey, so um, <laughs> just like that, you know, so there are, are techniques and, and things you can do to help enhance the brain and, and the function of it and prevent, um, you know, aging and, and things like that. But they're saying cannabis, what it actually can do is it will, um, it'll actually help reverse uh, the process uh, of aging, of dementia, of, of some of the other conditions, uh, memory loss, um, you know, uh, the ability to, to learn, the speed of learning. So it's it's pretty cool, like, to see that they're doing this kind of study. And they have people like molecular, molecular psychiatrists, which it's pretty... So these are people with, like, some pretty big degrees doing this uh, pretty, pretty interesting research. So. You know what I love, too, in this article, they talk about... Um, so they had THC treatment in old mice, and the researchers examined the brain tissue and gene activity of those mice, and they said that the molecular signature no longer corresponded to that of old animals, was, but was instead very similar to that of young animals. Nice. I mean, that is insane. That's like video game. That's like science fiction. That's, that's not like a real thing that happens with anything on Earth. That's pretty cool. It's just it's it just blows my mind that of all this time this plan has been sitting there and have not been studying it. You know, ha- hashtag sad. They've been studying everything. You know, they've been putting everything through the ringer, and for just decades this plan has been you know waiting there, just available. And yeah. it, the fact that we call it you know we give this blanket term of drugs everything and this war on drugs and you know. Well, these are good drugs. These are bad drugs. I mean, of course, cannabis is a bad drug. Why is it a bad drug? Well, because, you know, it's illegal. Why is it illegal? Well, because Nixon signed this act in 1971 to make it illegal. Well, why did he do that? Well, because he wanted to lock up the blacks and the freaking hippies that were protesting the Vietnam War. You know, once you start looking at why things are the way they are, you realize how stupid and selfish our politicians have been throughout history. You know? Because... Everyone is out for their own, you're following the money. You know, you follow there's, the money. There's you know. somebody has their hand in the pocket of somebody, you know? Oh, it's just it's crazy. It's just gross. It Happens really since is. the beginning of time, though, right? And it's going to happen forever, pretty much. Yeah. Until we're officially, until the robots take over and fix everything. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's un, it just blows my mind that they, we talk about how farms are being taken over and how farmers are losing their jobs. There is this unbelievable, almost magical plant available, and we could be growing it, and farmers could be getting rich, and people could be getting happier and smarter and more chilled out. But, but no, I hear you. I it's hear just, you. it's so just stupid and frustrating sometimes that people can't think for themselves and take an honest look at things because of the way 
this sort of infrastructure is already kind of locked in place and forcing us to think a particular way. I tell you, if you had like so, so my dad had dementia before he passed, mm-hmm. and I tell you, if if something can help treat dementia, it is fucking horrible to have uh, a loved one go through that. It's like they don't remember you, or they do remember you, and they have these crazy stories. It's just it's it's wacky. It's um, worse for the the people around than the actual person suffering from it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just. Um, you know, it's tough. Uh, but I like, you know, so they're doing this, the, the study and they're saying like a chronic low dose of, of THC is restoring cognitive function, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually read um, Men's Journal this uh, month has a whole article on microdosing and nootropics. So every there's a lot more study going into the, the function of the brain and nootropics and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and what helps the brain function and recover and, and function at a higher level. Um, and they were actually talking about microdosing. We've talked about it before. Yeah. And they they actually have uh, a guide to microdosing, which is, oh, really? is pretty cool. I, I'll show it to you. I got it. Uh, I got it over there. But uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting to see. So it's not so microdosing is doses that, and I guess that's what they're studying here is um, if you take on a regular basis doses that aren't making you uh, impaired. It's helping your brain function at a higher level and open opening up your brain to to different things, which mm-hmm. I think it's a great concept if you think about like so you're not doing anything to get high you're just doing you're you're feeding your brain something that will isn't damaging it's something that w- is actually helping your your function it's almost you know when it's almost like stretching for your your brain you know yeah you're not doing a full out crazy workout on it. You're not going to put it through the ringer. Yeah, we're not doing anything extreme. Just some light stretching, a couple calisthenics. You know, it's almost like that for your brain. Take a daily supplement for vitamins. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do something for your brain? Mm -hmm. And that's why you know we take nootropics. We take you know the -the over-the-counter ones. But they're talking about you know my. (laughs) It's the article is awesome. They're talking about microdosing LSD. I'm like, yeah, it's a little extreme, but hey, you know if it works, it works. This is good stuff though. But you're seeing you know a lot more. These people are starting to really open their eyes to cannabis and things are moving in the right direction at least for the most part on the ground level wheels are in motion things are on the the ground level things are going well at the top things are a little wonky but well it's just like we came out last week and we're talking about the statistic of of now we've kind of passed the tipping point where more than 50 percent of the people Mm -hmm. uh are saying cannabis is is not harmful yeah where the it used to be like you know 70 80 percent were like oh it's the devil so it's kind of like people have uh, had their minds have been opened by all the research and all the the study and the ability to actually sample it because it's available in you know mm-hmm. certain states and things like that. So and all those old people who've watched Reefer Madness and whose brains have atrophied because of lack of THC are starting to slip away, as yeah. they say, retire, and, get out of the business, and can no longer vote against it. So yeah. things are are moving in the positive direction for cannabis i like it yep so it's time for it's still time for ski news there's it's always time. time for ski news there's always something going down in the ski world that's right yeah. whether in this country or another it's always happening always yes so first up stories out of silverton mountain colorado and silverton mountain has just been approved to expand their hella skiing terrain to a total of 25 thousand acres wow according to the denver post the bureau of land management has approved for silverton's proposal to swap five thousand five hundred and six acres for sixteen thousand 
252 acres of new heliskiing terrain. Damn. So now they're going to have more than 25,000 acres total. This was approved after nearly two years of environmental review. So this doesn't just happen, you know, all of a sudden. They've been putting a lot of research and, and review into making sure that this was environmentally sound. This will... Uh, That's a inc- lot of meeting and a lot of research that goes into that. A lot of approvals. off the right people. But at least somebody's looking at it. That's true. It's good. This swap will help meet the growing demand of heliskiing and to provide clients with more skiing that is below the tree line, which reduces avalanche hazards. Hmm. I found this interesting. So they approved the grants for Silverton with a five-year permit, but it's capped at 600 annual user days, which I don't quite understand. So that means you can only have 600 people throughout the entire year that well, it's go hell skiing. It's six hundred days, annual user days. What the hell does that mean? Six hundred annual user days. Yeah, there's only three hundred and sixty-five days a year. Yeah, that's pretty crazy math. Like, is it a hundred days of skiing? Only six people per day. Yeah, I don't know if it's just adding that number of people, or or if you have, you know, again, like if you have fifty days of skiing, you're only allowed twelve people per day to do it. One of the the f- the groups of folks that were complaining were the avid backcountry users because they were concerned that it's going to take away some of the easily accessible backcountry terrain. Yeah, that's why it's capped, right? But which is why they capped it. Yeah, so that'll so it's you know they're kind of saying it's a it's a win win. So the backcountry folks will still have access because it's going to be limited the days they're going to hella ski, and the hella skiers are happier because now there's more terrain available. Cool. So, yeah, I know Silverton. That's one of the places that. I think when the ski club did the Telluride trip on the the midweek off day, yes, some people went to Silverton, right? Yeah, it was like a forty five minute bus ride out, and then um, it's like the, the only town you hit when you're flying when you're driving from uh, Montrose down to Telluride. Yeah, but they said it was awesome. You definitely get powder. Um, they get dumped on with snow. Uh, there's like one lift, and then you you do some you do a lot of hiking. And then you get your tracks, and they said it was uh, so video of it, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, the article also talks about how there really isn't that many other economic opportunities in Silverton, but by adding you know more of this hell skiing, you're mm-hmm. gonna be able to bring in more people. You're gonna be able to you know sell hotel rooms and and good for restaurants, and if any sort of rental gear required, you know everybody in the town is gonna benefit from it. Everyone prospers, which you need. Yeah, nice, I like that. Yeah. All right, next we talk about uh, everybody's starting to recap how the uh, season went for mm. all the ski areas. And, uh, Is that a little bit of foreshadowing? A little foreshadowing. <laughs> um, so uh, visitation to U.S. ski areas climbed uh, in 2016-2017, but it's still below the 20-year average, which is kind of strange. Hmm. So digging through the numbers, they're saying uh, visits to U.S. ski resorts climbed uh, to 54.7 million this season, up 3, 3.7% from last season. Right, uh, they're saying they're attributing a strong Christmas and spring bake um, bolstering the season, um, and then uh, despite snow totals in February and March, according to results, um, they're saying it still was Christmas and spring break brought in more people. You know, so I guess even though while there's great snow during those uh, times, uh, people had off. They're like, hey, let's go skiing. You know, hmm. uh, they said the Northeast region saw nearly twelve percent rebound from the previous year. That shouldn't have been too hard. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the World Cup, having that at Killington, has helped as well. 
Yeah, uh, I'm sure. It's possible to a degree. I mean, granted, the year before, you know, the 2015-2016 season was so terrible. Yeah, I think you get was, that marketing splash from it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, everybody, look, we're skiing on the East Coast. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's go out. It there. seemed more crowded. Yeah, up in Vermont. Uh, they're saying the Rocky Mountain region posted its second best season, uh, 21.7 million visits. So uh, they're saying that did pretty well. Uh, Colorado skiers um, are going to release their data next month. Uh, vale Resorts, Vale Resorts, Vale Breckenridge, and Beaver Creek and Keystone reported a 2.8% decline in visitation. So there's there's mixed results everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're saying in the last 20 20 years there have been 12 seasons with more national visits but overall uh this last season is 2.5 percent below the 20-year average Hmm. which is kind of you're getting mixed results everywhere so it's kind of i guess we're gonna have to wait to see the you know final results and and all the uh stats that come out snow wise you know colorado didn't have the best year this year i mean it was okay it was good it wasn't outrageous it wasn't what California had. Right. California, there were areas that got really pounded. Yeah. They're they're definitely going to have way better numbers. Well, I guess, too, some places are still open. So it's kind of like, yeah. you know, so it's still kind of going on. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think w- A Basin is the only one still open in Colorado right now. Right. But it's like, where do they draw the line for collecting the data, right? Yeah, that's true, too. I don't know. I wonder I, if the election, if people just being just, you know, mentally fried from all the all the you know the build up and the resolution if they just were afraid or too scared or, or just not mentally i don't know i, don't I also know. think like, this is the us stats i'd like to see north america because i'm wondering if a lot of people went to canada since it's a really good exchange rate right now yeah so a lot of people in the us we went to canada it was mm-hmm. great i mean it was it was cheaper than normal oh yeah so and they got good snow so I'm wondering if that plays into that too. Yeah. I think what most companies, like corporations need to do is give people more vacation days. If people had another extra week of vacation, I think they would be a little more likely to spend it going on these big ski trips. Or why not do like Europe? We could even do a mini uh, holiday like Europe does. Mm -hmm. So between Christmas and New Year's, I know a lot of companies close, but why wouldn't everybody just close? There's not a lot that gets done. I mean, I work every Christmas to New Year's like in between that week. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's nothing going on. I get to catch up on a lot of work, so I don't mind it. But yeah. a lot of people are just out. There's a lot, not a lot of new stuff that gets done. It's. I think Christmas to MLK should just be off. I like your style, right? Christmas to MLK. It's it's almost like a, a school semester, you know, like you get off. It's like three weeks, right? Yeah. If you go Christmas to, because you were going to have the holidays off anyway in between there. So give people a freaking break. Yeah, you're only you missing know? maybe two, three weeks of work. It's two extra weeks. You know, what's I would say it's two and deal? a half. It's probably two and a half weeks of, yeah. of work if you take all the days off and stuff. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You chief bastard companies, help people out. You want to make your employees come back and work harder and be more focused? Give them a couple weeks off. Let's forego raises one year and just do Christmas to, to MLK. That would be dynamite. I'm all for that. That's a good thing. The only thing, only negative, that means the resorts are going to be more crowded. Hey, hey, it's all right. Break it up throughout the... If I have three weeks of skate, Mr. Selfish... <laughs> still midweek will be better than the weekend yeah that's true so well people will be able to spread the wealth spread it all over yeah that's what i'm saying yeah two weeks ago we talked about the consolidation of vale resorts and you know kind of aspen becoming this new powerhouse 
But this article came out in the Denver Post, and they're saying how we're really creating a duopoly now, which duopoly, which is a monopoly between two companies tonight, Vail and Aspen Resorts, becoming the two big dominant industry uh, companies in the ski industry, might raise antitrust concerns. Hmm. So the way they argue it is that season passes might initially drop, but experts say that it won't stay low for long. Wow. Yeah, 20 years ago, a merger of giants in the ski industry triggered antitrust concerns that the lack of competition could lead to price spikes for skiers. Now with the recent consolidation news, a battle between the two major resort operations in an industry driven by season pass sales, the competition could involve two titans offering more for less. Hmm. But they're saying that it's possible that this is going to start out that way and then eventually jack up prices to be more expensive than they are now. Like they're, they're baiting you. They're honey-dicking you. They're honey-dicking you. Exactly. <laughs> Get you now at the cheaper rate and what and they can do is, too, they're going to lower the prices to start, which is going to... You know, which is great for skiers that have the pass for that resort, you know, that family of resorts. Right. But it could screw over some of the smaller mountains in the area. Of course. And they're going to be kind of trapped and, and, you know, they'd have to lower their price as well. And they may not be able to cover all their expenses and then look to sell and get bought up by one of those two companies. Capitalism. or Vail. That's what they do. Yeah. Suck uh, them dry. Yeah, it's like the it's like the Rockefellers of skiing now. I know. It's something to watch out for. Yeah. Uh they did this so back in nineteen ninety seven, the Department of Justice investigated Vail Resorts. Um well the three hundred and ten million dollar deal um when they bought Ralston Resorts, which was Breckenridge, Keystone, and A Basin. Hmm. Back then, Ralston was the biggest operator of resorts in Colorado. So the conclusion that the Department of Justice came to at that time was that they would now have twice the front-range market compared to their next competitor. Hmm. I think it's interesting to put it out there because you could say um, if you're a small resort and you're afraid of getting forced out of business and mm-hmm. have being forced to sell, I mean, it's good to put it on the radar to watch out for collusion in tampering with the market, right? They do that yeah. with, they do that with retailers. Like if you're fixing prices across, like you get fined a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work for a retailer that got fined for, uh, they got found guilty of, or implied or whatever they, they settled. They had to pay a ton of money um because they got implicated in fixing prices across the nation jesus which if you're a company it's fine but i guess they were forcing vendors to sell them certain prices it's basically what walmart did is is doing but Mm -hmm. they got caught doing something wrong i don't know it's weird so yeah i wonder that's kind of Especially if the two, if you have the two big ones if they start saying hey let's let's get together and start dividing and conquering eat every, everything up. Yeah. Davy Pitcher, who's the owner of Wolf Creek Resort, says, you know, in some ways, I wonder how this is going to help us. Our day tickets are much lower than most day tickets. These crazy season passes, it's a business model that we have to live with, but I'm not really sure if it's anything we can complain about. 
Yeah. Because, you know, they're talking about how they make so much money off these season pass sales. And, I mean, if you go to the window and buy a ticket at Vale and Aspen, $189 for Nuts. a lift ticket. Absolutely crazy. That's why when I went, I went with the club, uh, lift tickets were included. And I looked at the prices before going. I was like, holy crap. Like, it it, it totally paid for itself going with the, with the club because lift tickets were almost 200 bucks. Yeah, it's nuts. No one's buying those uh, at the at the window. It's crazy. Park City was what one thirty five, something like that. Yeah, we bought the day, and it was just like it was crazy. Yeah, right. Absolutely nuts, man. All right. So uh, next up, we have uh, Listex, which is the London International Snow, Snow Sports Trade Exchange. London Industry uh, uh, Snow Sports Trade Exchange. Yes. And they had a, a roundtable, I guess, a forum, uh, networking with trade exchange meetings, and they had, you know, panels. Uh, so during these, you know, one of these panels, they, they did a roundtable with a lot of people in the industry, uh, talking mainly about Europe and, and the UK and, and the ski industry there. Um, so what they talked about is, you know, let's talk about what does the next five years hold? Um, so, you know, they were, they you know, just to go through them quickly, uh, session one. So these are different sessions that they had. They talked about back to the future, um, taking, you know, what, what's going to happen in the next five years. Uh, they're kind of equating it to what's happened in the last five years. Uh, they're saying, you know, the London Olympics had a, uh, a big boost to the industry and they're saying the Pyeongchang, uh, winter Olympics, uh, next year, uh, they're expecting is going to boost, uh, snow sports in in the uk oh so just it being televised being on tv people seeing it gets them fired up and and getting out there and getting involved in the sports that are happening yeah and i don't know how far they are i mean they might be closer than i think to there i'm not sure but it looks awesome like you see like i see video now like because they're they're out skiing there it looks Mm -hmm. it looks amazing in korea in korea yeah Um, well assuming that north korea doesn't blow everybody up yeah, but it's funny. Like I remember, uh, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago. They're like, "Haha!" They were laughing at me. They're like, "They're not having the Winter Olympics in Korea. It's hot there." I'm like, "No, they have real mountains." Like I saw something not too long ago, and they were like, huh? "And I looked it up. I'm like, "Yeah, here, here, dummies. Like it, it, it really is. Like keep on top of things, you know." Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's pretty funny. Um, then they're talking about investment in the past five years. So they're saying, uh. Until five years ago, it was a little bit stagnant. So now resorts are actually spending more money, especially in the in, in Great Britain, uh, and you know for the whole industry. So looking at at that as a plus, uh, they're saying barriers to entry for non skiers has that changed? And they're saying, um, yeah, they said, but the big fear right now of new skiers is to get hurt mm-hmm. because of the I guess the costs of you know medical and stuff like that. Um, the average skier. In five years, is that older than five years ago? And they're saying um, the problem we have with skiing is uh, is that it isn't cool anymore. So yeah, so someone yelled out in the crowd during this thing. Yeah, which I don't know. You hear that that said, but you see it on the ski slopes. We've seen firsthand. There's more skiers, and there's been statistics come out. More people are, are skiing again than snowboarding. Like yeah. it's tipping again. I guess this is probably more of an England-focused group, too, they're talking about. So Could not be cool, but uh, people are doing it, you know? 
<laughs> I don't know who these not cool people are, or they, who's, who's thinking it's not cool. I mean, it sounds like a bunch of fat fish and chip eating soccer hooligans. That's right. Pub chip. be saying that, yeah. Pub chip bastard. Um, <laughs> uh, they're saying, uh, they're asking, will skiing become more or less expensive in the next five years? They're saying um, definitely they're going to pass along the um, improvements that they're doing to all these resorts, and they're saying they'll pass it along in their lift passes. Um, but they're saying it probably won't be as bad as North America, and they're saying it's a, uh, they're expecting a steady five percent rise in Europe in the in ten years. Which mm-hmm. Europe, it's pretty cheap for us. Well, they're even saying too that three hundred euros per week That's is the, is their kind of price point that they're trying to yeah to stick to. Which I mean, that's. But again, it's we just talked change. about what Aspen and Vail cost one eighty nine a day. Yeah, I mean, insane. I mean, a weekly. I think usually you're paying five six hundred. You know, a week mm-hmm. usually. Yeah, US. usually pretty close to that. As a ballpark, if I was just you know saying around. Um, and then they asked him, "Are you feeling positive or negative about the next five years for skiing?" And they're saying, "One dude said he's like, I'm going skiing regardless. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what happens. I'm still going." But they're saying it, it's kind of like a, it seems like a great time for people and people are um, embracing it. So once people get through the hard part of learning how to ski, they really embrace it. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Um, yeah, they also talked about that they're doing more with the mountain. So their you know, festivals are becoming a big thing. And they're also focusing on things to do in the summer. So downhill cycling is huge. Cycling and, you know, adventure courses, water parks, all the things that, you know, you see popping up over here. Yeah. Looking to do over there, too. It's mirroring everything here, which is uh, Mm -hmm. interesting. Yep. All right. And then one last story. And this is a positive, fun one. Squaw Valley is saying they are going to stay open past 4th of July for the first time ever. Boom, they're calling it. So just like you were talking about earlier when you were mentioning how many ski visits that have been reported, there's still plenty of visits that are going to be happening yeah. at Squaw Valley this year. So they've had 714 inches so far. Damn. Nearly 60 feet. And they still have a base depth of more than 20 feet. 60 feet of snow, man. Oof. Yeah. They are going to be operating the Shirley Lake Express Chair on Saturdays in July and possibly August. That's the new, uh, that's the new, uh, you know, whatchamacallit? Snow all year round? Glacier? <laughs> it's a new glacier. It's, yeah, it's the Squaw Glacier. If it stays year round, I think technically it would be glacier. Technically, yeah. So groomers will be working to relocate snow to the area to maintain snowpack and allow for summer skiing and riding. Basically, they're saying they're going to. You can ski and ride as long as the snow lasts. May of 2017, Alpine Meadows will operate Saturdays and Sundays from 8.30 to 2 through closing day, which is May 14th, this weekend, Mother's Day. Squaw Valley will operate daily 9 to 4 through May 31st. Wow. June, Squaw will be open for skiing and riding on Saturdays and Sundays. Hours to be determined based on conditions. July 1st through 4th. Squaw will operate daily for skiing, riding, and activities. Hours to be determined beyond or based on conditions. Then beyond July 4th, Squaw Valley will be open for skiing and riding on Saturdays. Hours to be determined based on conditions. Hmm. This summer, you could go on a summer vacation and go skiing in Squaw. It's nice. beautiful. Go hiking and skiing. Yeah, okay. right? Go swimming in the lake and then go skiing. You nice. can do both. 
Why not do both? Sail, yacht to yurt. <clears throat> Come sail away. Yacht to yurt. That's it. You yacht on the, on the lake, then you go to the yurt. You can make it happen in Tahoe. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I like it. All right. So that wraps up ski news for the week. Ooh, it's time. Time for our main topic. Indeed. So we alluded to this a little bit earlier in the, the one story, and uh, we're going to call it Last Looks. Last Looks. So we determined last week that it is officially almost ski season, but we decided we would take one look back at the ski season that was to talk about some of our favorite memories and uh, just reminisce, reflect. There's a whole collection enjoy. of memories, and it's nice to to reminisce and cherish the fond memories, try to forget the bad memories, yes, and just kind of figure out where we're at for next year so we can start planning a court, you know, properly yeah to say so this year i pretty much all started for us back on uh ski bum week we went out to whistler that was a good trip and uh you know we did our normal vermont thing and then we did our utah trip and then you had trip out to vale and you know we had a lot of killington in between a lot of killington vermont trips so there's a lot of stuff that went on this year. j peak j peak as well so we did a lot of a lot of different places this year and had a lot of great days but we're going to just kind of go over our top three from each of us. Number three. No. <laughs> so do you want to kick it off with what you got? Maybe we could do like go back and forth. So we'll go back do and like forth. like your third. I'll do my third. Are we going to start with number? Let's start with three. I'm just going to throw one out there. You can throw one out there. All right. I'm going to say, because I never was, Whistler. The Whistler trip was awesome. Yes. December, we had good weather. Um, we did the whole thing, you know, it was good to see Nick hang out with him. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got to say, so if I have to pick a particular point of that, I would say Whistler, when we did the Harmony Bowl, just opened, Mm -hmm. boot packed up about 45 minutes and then dropped in. That was, I got to say, one of the highlights of the season. Yeah. As corny as it may sound, that was my number one thing. Boom. Was it Harmony or Flute Bowl? I thought it was Flute Bowl. I don't know. But it could be both. Yeah, that that boot pack up was was pretty awesome. You know, we that was a that was a serious what forty five minute hike yeah, that we did. That was good. It was pretty excruciating in a positive way. It was just a perfect day for it. It was beautiful. We had great weather. It was cold. The snow was good, and yeah, they just opened it, so we had. It was a flute ball. It was flute ball, right? Yeah. The only thing I would change about that is I would take a 15-minute break before we actually jumped in and skied. Yeah, we handled that pretty dumbly, you know. Very dumbly. Um, So that's one of the memories that I will, while it's not a bad memory, Mm -hmm. I'll plan differently now because of that memory. Yeah. You know, being exhausted and not taking a break and not taking a whiz before going, (laughs) like, I was like... Yeah, I could hold it in until I go down and tired, but you know, let's just go down. It looks pretty cool and it was it was not a good idea. Yeah, there were a couple of things we definitely should have done differently. But again, you know, it was our first time there. So live and learn. Live and learn. So next time we will prepare a little bit differently. Yeah, we gotta learn how to how to time that better. <laughs> All right, what do you got? What's another right. one? So that was my number one. So that's already been used up. So I'm gonna go with my number three. And I will say it was the day we went up to J Peak and we had that one foot of, it was at least a foot of fresh snow on the ground. That was nice. And we got up, what was it, 530 
and we drove up from Killington to Jay Peak. We uh, we got there. We got there nice and early. You know, we had to, of course, dick around, find parking, and get our lift tickets and all that stuff. But that was our my first, well, both of our first times up there, and uh, great conditions. What a fun mountain, and what a yeah, great conditions that we had. The best part is we got up there. We couldn't. We had trouble finding parking, and then we eventually found parking, and we were there. And uh, one of our buddies said he was checking blogs, and somebody posted that they were actually getting turned away because it was so crowded in the morning. So we actually got lucky that we got there as early as we did because we would have been turned away and not been able to ski or had to wait till people left or something like that. He said it was like a whole, like, he's like, oh, yeah, it was packed that day in the morning. And Wow. I was like, it looked crowded, but it cleared out after like two hours. People were like, yeah, I'm done with the fresh snow mount. Yeah, we luckily got a, a good spot in that parking garage there by the hotel, which was good. We saw all those people skinning up. The parking yeah. on the road and skinning up. That was another thing people were doing. <laughs> yeah, we saw them skinning up. That was that was pretty cool too. Yeah, so we had a great you know great runs through the trees. Found some great you know just all the trails there were just a lot of fun. Like that one mogul run that we did a couple times was good. Yeah, and we again, finally got to do the trees this in Vermont that that day because the, the trees famous glades. In, yeah, yeah, trees okay. weren't great in in Killington. Yeah, so the and again there was one negative to the trip. And we learned never take the tram. The goddamn tram. The Don't. tram is a waste of time. Stay away from it. It's the devil. Only dummies there for their first day. Not dummies. People oh. who just aren't experienced and understand the lay of the land. Yeah. Because everyone we talked to there said the same thing. Like, oh, this is our first time here. So, and it was a great day of skiing. And then we capped it off by doing an apres ski at Hill Farmstead. Oh, that's... You can't get better operated than that. I mean, how perfect was the beer at Hill Farmstead after a great day at of skiing? It was like being in the, It was like being in the desert for like a you know a week and then getting water. You're just like, oh my god, this is so good. Yeah, we got there just before it closed, so we had you know it was empty there, which was great. We were able to get our beers, got some growlers to bring home with us, and then and then we stopped at Mad Taco. Boom! I mean, it was just like the perfect day. And not only that, our timing was freaking perfect for everything. Mm -hmm. We got out the door. We got up to Jay Peak, you know, two and a half hour ride. But we got there right when we planned to get there. Left when we planned. Got to Hill Farmstead right on time. Mad Taco. Back in time to hot tub and hang out. Yeah, and the craziest thing about it was we got back and... The the three of us that skied plus the fourth who was at the ski house, we put down two growlers of Hill Farmstead, <laughs> and we were up to like what two two thirty. Yeah, I mean we were up at five thirty in the morning to make the drive, and then you know you're skiing all day. It was worth it, and man. And then you're you're you know drinking and then driving back. We still were up till two thirty, so it was a twenty one hour day. Goes to show you if you're having fun, you're not tired. It, it, when you're tired, it means whatever you're doing sucks. Yeah, there's, there's a lull in what you're doing, so yeah, you get a little sleepy. We didn't, we didn't get sleepy. Just kept we going. We did not. We pulled, we pushed through. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say that was uh, that was awesome. Yep. All right, I got another. Uh, so one of mine. It's also attached to the Whistler trip. Mm. Hanging out in Seattle. Look at you. We had a ski bum time in Seattle. Went to some dispensaries, walked around town. It was a lot of fun. Seattle's a great town. Nick and Liz, great hosts. <clears throat> Got to give a shout out. Shout out to Nick and Liz. I learned about the Butterbell. 
Uh, and Buford. <laughs> I love that dog. He's a good boy. If you want to call him a dog, he's like a horse. He's gigantic. If As long as you're wearing a cup, he's a great dog. Because <laughs> he has that freaking whip tail, and it's right at, like, junk height. Uh, such a good dog, though. Such a good dog, yeah. But, yeah, they were great hosts. They showed us the town. They really, they really, it was really nice to visit with them. Uh, hopefully, we could do it again. And I got to say, I attribute the Butterbell that I have to Nick and Liz. I didn't see your Butterbell until hanging out with them. I didn't even understand how to use the Butterbell when it was first offered to me. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this thing? You mean it's soft butter anytime you want it? Yes. Oh God. So can you explain to the good listeners what exactly a Butterbell is? Okay, so uh, a lot of people don't know you don't really need to refrigerate butter, right? Now, I knew somebody way back. They actually used to just get their butter, put put it in a butter dish with a cover, and just leave it on the counter. And I was mm-hmm. like, eh, it's kind of weird, whatever. But the butter bell, what it does is you pack the butter in this top that's like a big cup, and it hangs upside down, and you put it into a holder, and that holder has water in it. So what it actually does, it creates a, a perfect vacuum seal for the butter that's in there, and it stays room temperature um, in that cup. And when you take it out, you take it out, flip it over, and then you just scoop it out. It's, it's like ready-to-eat butter at any time. Mm. It is... It's great, but it's dangerous at the same time because I've eaten a shit ton of butter because of that. Well, butter is not bad for you. I get the grass-fed. I get the... Uh, the carry gold. Carry gold. This stuff is awesome. Chuck it in there. You, you keep it at room temperature, and you pack the butter bowl. But uh, he is right. You do lose your shit once you're out of butter. You're like, oh, my God, I thought I had butter. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm freaking out because I keep my butter in the freezer. So, yeah, you go to Costco, you God, get damn. booze, and you get your carry gold there. They get the three-pack. Yeah. So Always I get keep it. it in the freezer. I take it out of the, the package they have, I put it in Ziploc bag, and I put it in the freezer so it stays nice and fresh. Nice. And then, but the problem is, you got to have like a half-day heads up that you're running out of butter. So if you don't take that into account, you run out of, on your butter bell, and you just, you really do, you can lose your shit. I haven't lost my shit, but. I think we just came up with our next idea. We are going to kickstart a, some sort of, smart butterbell like an alexa butterbell oh it could just order it yes we'll give you like a like oh we're only at like one third capacity you better take some butter out instead of, the of pushing the button it automatically orders it from amazon for you it could order it or it could analyze your freezer contents see oh it can like identify the gold notice it and be like oh please remove butter from freezer and put it in me because i am lacking butter hmm you keep track of how many times it's been refilled a smart butter bell smart butter oh smart butter bell smart butter bell all right all right we're gonna we're gonna have to patent that and and that's a good one all right we're gonna have to circle back with nick on this yeah we went to text him after this podcast he might have some ideas he might have a connection yes he might have a connection alexa butter bell yes oh she's listening what you doing? Alexa, stop. <laughs> She'll probably order a damn Order a flashlight. <laughs> She'll probably order a damn butterbell. <laughs> yeah, like four of them. I got it on Amazon, so. See? Uh, yeah, so if anybody wants a butterbell, go go on Amazon and look. But the time in Seattle was fun. Seattle see is the, a fine town. See the fish market, the best shops for cannabis ever that I've seen. Yeah, you know, Colorado gets all the love. For cannabis, but Washington really has it down. I mean, the stores in Seattle. I mean, we went to two of them. One was good; it was a little bit smaller. But the one uh, have a heart 
which was the one by Pike's Place. That one was legit. I mean, fully loaded. Everything from the sprays to the the brownies to the mints to every sort of strain to the pre-rolls. I mean, they, they had, had a great selection. They had a serious collection. And their yeah. store was swanky, so it, it didn't look like much from the outside. And then you walk in, you're like, wow, this is really cool. It was like... It was like LED lighting and like they had everything in nice displays. And, you know, what really makes a good dispensary and there's the one I went to in Vail I wasn't that happy with. It kind of sucked. Um, the people, they come over, the lady's talking to us. You know, she was asking us, well, what are you looking for? What do you want to have? You, I would suggest this, but if you want to go with that, such good advice. How do I find Jesus. That's right. You just smoke this motherfucker, and you will see Jesus. <laughs> but I tell you, they're so yeah, they helpful. Were, they were really cool. That's what. That's how you got the Bruce Banner, right? Because yeah, yeah you were talking to her, and she's like, "I just love." Oh, I smoked this before I went out last night, and yeah. it was great. I had a great time. And then she's telling us, "She's like, we just got it in. It usually sells out. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was, but we still didn't get a chance to. We left that for Nicholas. That's right. Yeah, we heard we heard stories that it we left we left that for our friends, which is good to give back. You got to pay it forward and backwards both mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, so that was that was a highlight. That was definitely a good time because Seattle was on my bucket list to visit. So it's a great town. Yeah, unfortunately now it's they're in like serious like rainy season, so it's just raining like all the time. Yeah, weed. You got good restaurants. You got good beer. Good coffee too. The if you beer want. with the uh, that 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 uh, sealer. The, the canning, canning. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. Yeah, I just recommended someone to to go check out that place. That oh, little, cool. Was it Steel Steel Mill or Steel City something? Reserve. It was Steel something, the name of the... Steel City? I don't remember. Steel Wool. Steel. <laughs> steel Hat. Do we have food there? Do we have tacos? We definitely had food there. I think we just kind of had like ghetto tapas kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was called... Oh, Old Stove. Old stove, that's Old what it was. stove, so nothing to do with steel. That was a nice little find, and we're walking by, we're like, yeah, let's just drop in here. Yeah, exploratory. Nice. Sometimes you just got to go walk around, get lost, and just find stuff. That's right. You know, get off your Yelp, get off your maps, just kind of experience. Just stop and say, hey, what's up? Just let your, uh, let, let the world guide you. Best places you find are just stuff you stumble into. It often happens that way. All right, what's another top for you? All so- right, another top for me. That was on our trip to Utah. Ooh. We went out to Utah. The Ute. We had probably... Our timing was not perfect. No, it never is. <laughs> but we had a... After a terrible rainy Friday, we ended up just kind of you know, wandering around the town, around Park City, and going up to Deer Valley and feeling poor. We decided... you know, We were checking the forecast, checking the temperature, and you know, being cautiously optimistic about what Saturday was going to hold. And we just completely lucked out that we woke up Saturday morning with a foot plus of snow on the ground. So we, yeah, as soon as the, we, the lifts opened, we got up to Park City and traversed our way over to Canyons and had an unbelievable day of skiing fresh pow there. The Canyons was awesome. And the timing that we had was great too because when we got over to the middle of the mountain, they had just opened up the 9990 lift to the top and we were able to to get some some fresh tracks up there and the best was the sign on the lift there where it's like double black only everything is ungroomed yeah you know 
experts only. Lots of warnings, lots of scare lots of before warnings. you get up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we got out there, and you know, some of the people in our group were kind of like, I don't know, is this going to be our Why warning? are we doing this? Yeah. And then we got out there, there's so much power. Like, dude, don't worry about it. You fall, who cares? It's like a big pillow. Yeah, that was that was so much fun. I mean, that that con- those conditions were so awesome. The best we just ripped down that mountain. We're just like, oh, this is so good. It was it was that was one of the most fun runs I've ever had skiing. Yeah, was that particular run from the top of the ninety nine ninety, and that was a great time. That was a lot of fun. And then after that, you know, we hit up and got some great barbecue on mm. the mountain there, and it just it was ah, oh, it was perfect. It had sunny had out beer. We were sitting outside. It was just ah. Oh. It was good weather. It was, it was perfect. Yeah. yeah, that was such a great day. Total opposite from the day before, which rained. Dude, yeah. Rainy, mm-hmm. shitty, miserable. Couldn't get into stupid High West again. Oh, high West. A lot of negatives. But that day was a positive. Remember how I used to bitch about Hetty Topper? I'm bitching about High West Distillery like that, too. It might not even be real. I don't think it's real. Right? I think it's a front. You've never been in there. It's a cover. You can't it's tell. A cover for something. Fake news. Fake restaurant. I walked restaurant. in. I saw people milling around. I think it's just a set for something. Fake I don't restaurant. Know. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Fake news. Fake restaurant. I don't know. But yeah, Canyons was good. Very good. All right, and then uh, my last one is my trip to Vail. Nice. The mountain was okay. Beaver Creek okay. The, I think the the trip itself was good. Uh, people on it, like I went with the ski club and it was a good batch from the ski club that went on the trip. There's no real idiots, no real, nothing bad happened. Everybody just had a lot of fun. There was people just hanging out. It wasn't like clicky or anything like that. So I think just that, just being chill factor was, was a good time. I I enjoyed that trip, even though it was kind of spring skiing ish. Uh, it was a perfect, uh, perfect green light to go out and party at night because you're not getting first tracks in the morning you gotta wait <laughs> you know to everything thawed out uh and it was just a, it was a nice nice town um good facilities and good group of people i gotta say it's a lot of fun nice so made a lot of new friends on there got to see the 10th mountain division uh whiskey 10th mountain whiskey and spirit and now there's new highfalutin ski bomb podcast fans yeah because of that trip right boom and you got a onesie from that and I got a well, I didn't get a onesie. You didn't get a onesie. Yeah, little baby Mario got a onesie. Little baby Mario on the cross. <laughs> on the cross. <laughs> uh, see, so little guy's got that to look forward to. There you go, right? Boom. Perfect. He's gonna, he's gonna destroy that thing. That's what they do. <laughs> That's what they do. That's what they do. Cool. And you have another one. Well, my number one was the, uh, was Whistler. Whistler was the hiking up to the food bowl. So. You know what else was nice in Whistler? Getting in new damn boots. That's true. Mm. New boots are good. Those boots are great. Yeah. I think I still need another adjustment in mine. I think my uh, my sixth toe is still smashing a bit. Yeah. But yeah, other, other than that, they're uh, they're great. The boots are great. So yeah, the Surefoot experience was nice. Getting that exchange rate, that fa- extremely favorable exchange rate was nice. Yeah. I guess, you know, what I learned from that, though, is definitely get... Try the boots on, and most people are going to need that front blown out mm-hmm. somehow because that's what I, or the ankle because that's what I didn't have in my old boots. My old boots were probably very comfortable if I would have had that that ankle blown out. Mm. So yeah, but yeah, most comfortable boots I've ever had. The walk mode, walk mode is good. That I owe skiing after <laughs> I break. It makes you a better skier. 
it's always like, I don't know, something's a little bit weird. I'm like, God damn it, I'm in walk mode again. <laughs> so just throws you off a little. Yeah. Ah, you know, that actually felt really nice just talking about those it, highlights of the season. Yeah, reminisce. You puts don't feel you, so bad about the rain that's coming tomorrow. <laughs> puts you back in a good place, you know? Like as much as, you know, summer can be an unfun time for skiers, you know, you have those memories and you got to take a moment when it's going to get warm and hot and your balls are going to be sweating to reflect on those awesome days you had. Because you know what? You never know when you're not, you can't have those anymore. So right. cherish them, enjoy them, flick through your phone, look at your pictures, watch your videos, and uh, be lucky that you had those times. That's all you can do. So if you want more information, some of our links to our memories, skibumpodcast.com or send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. So now, with that, it is time for Under the Ropes. Let's go under. First off this week, saying fuck during exercise makes you stronger, study says. Nice. According to uh, psychologists at Keele University, they have discovered that cursing during exercise can boost your physical performance and lend an extra burst of strength Kind of like a mushroom in Super Mario Brothers. So you just in there, you're just like, fuck shit. So I'm going to just walk around like I got Tourette's at the gym? <laughs> sort of. So what they did was they gathered 29 participants and asked them to pedal a stationary bike for two brief, intense sessions with added resistance. First, subjects were asked to pick a curse word and say it repeatedly. Then, through the same routine, uttering a neutral word, something like legged or wooden, you know, things that would be used to describe a table. Hmm. When the participants cussed, researchers found they put more power into their workout. After adding a bunch of resistance to the bike, cursing people put 4% more power into their pedaling compared to when they were saying the neutral word. Huh. Uh, Another study that they did was the hand grip test which they were asked to squeeze a device as hard as they could and even saying something, a curse word that was satisfying like motherfucker or something as innocuous as Idaho. And cursing gave participants about 8% stronger grip. Hmm. So originally, they, they were looking at the correlation between cursing and physical power, and, but they still have no real clear correlation of what that would be they originally thought that might be like a a fight or flight response but they were saying that the cursing didn't affect people's heart rates so that would Hmm. that would indicate that it wasn't uh fight or flight i would imagine it had something to do with their you know adrenaline or something something yeah Uh, pain tolerance yeah right Mm -hmm. but the data didn't support that so they were thinking that maybe just saying those words when you swear, you just don't care as much. Your, your pain tolerance goes up. Just a dirty motherfucker at that point. Yeah, you're just a cursing, angry hooligan at that point. So Angry. So yeah, so when you're getting your workout, getting your swole on, trying to get a couple more reps in there, just throw a few curses and wow, you get it done. 8% more strength and 20% more likely of just working yourself to death maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Your heart just explodes right there. 
Boom. Yep. Fuck. You know? Yeah. Cool. All right, next up we got uh, trainers... Re- um, a, a trainer's license is revoked after Greyhounds mm. test positive for cocaine at Derby Lane. <laughs> so... And now what state this take place in? This takes place in Florida. In Florida? Really? Florida. Something crazy and fucked up with drugs and animals happened in Florida? I have to admit, I have been to this dog track. <laughs> uh, don't ask me how or why. I don't want to reveal what I did at this dog track. And now how many people, <laughs> what percentage of people in the dog track use the word fuck while they're there? While they're there? Probably. Who doesn't? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, Not a lot of positive things happen at the old dog track. <laughs> so this is in St. Petersburg, and um, kennel owners are expected to adhere to guidelines set forth by the American Greyhound Council and National Greyhound Association, as well as Derby Lane Track Rules and Policies, uh, by uh, taking away this guy's license. So what he actually got caught for is... Um, he, they found dogs that raced. Now, the weird part is they finished in fourth place. Uh, and then they got tested. And according to state records, they had corca- cocaine coursing through their veins. So uh, I guess they, they caught this one dog. Now, I don't know if he did it to many, but uh dog was flying high and running. Now, they show a picture of the guy in the article. <laughs> now, if you were to... Tell someone, what do you think a guy who was giving greyhounds cocaine in Florida would look like? This guy. This guy is exactly what you would picture. He's like, he wants to be on Miami Vice. He's got the shades on. He's like, hey, man, the dogs are cool. They're has cool, these like man. weird translucent or uh, transition glasses. Yeah. Mustache. Slightly balding, terrible blonde mustache, probably in his 50s. Oh, he looks like such a douche. It's either he's trying to sell cocaine or trying to do porn. I don't know, right? That's like why can't you do both? Probably, probably do both. Doing cocaine off the greyhound's ass and then <laughs> making a movie. I, I don't know. Uh, urine samples collected from four other dogs in veteran trainer Malcolm McAllister's kennel over the next seventeen days would later test positive also for cocaine metabolites. Jesus. So they ended a nearly 40-year career of a trainer that Derby Lane executive once called, uh, executives once called a wonderful patriarch of the industry. So he was, uh, he was playing with Confederate money. He went to the dark side in this, in this one. So. Because there's so many people being positive in the arena <laughs> of dog track, dog, uh, dog so, racing. So I went down to Florida. There was nothing else to do. And I'm like, hey, they have horse racing around. So I went with my parents. We were down there visiting. And like, no, they have dog track racing. Let's go that. You know, we've never been. Go see it. Um, Went once and I was like, yeah, I kind of don't need to go back. Um, It was interesting, though. I got to say it was interesting to see if you like racing or whatever. Uh, But it's funny because the dogs race around the track. And the same thing happens all the time. One of them slips out, takes out like half of the dogs, <laughs> and the ones that are left finish the race. You know, it's just kind of funny. It's comical. You're like, oh, my dog's in first. And all of a sudden, boom, they just slide out and take out like another three dogs. It's so funny how, again, going back to cannabis, how cannabis is illegal, but dog racing yeah. is perfectly fine. Well, you know, the dark side of dog racing, too, is after these dogs are no longer useful to them. Slaughtered. They're either abused or slaughtered. And it's it's just bad i mean 
it's it's fun and enjoyable watching the racing going on, mm-hmm. but the life they live sometimes sometimes I don't know not all trainers and, and owners are, are shit shitty, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean I have neighbors that have rescues and really cool dogs. Yeah, love greyhounds. It's kind of like NFL linemen. Yeah, pretty much. You know, you go out you know, there, you use them, you go max adopt them up. Them. You got to adopt them after. Jam some coke into them, <laughs> and then right. at the end, they're just useless. You just put them down. It's a good parody. It's a good parody. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Next up, more evidence that you should be eating gluten. Mm. Yeah, unless you have celiacs. Gluten or glutton? Oh, that would be gluten. Got it. This story is from tonic.vice.com, and it it says, unless you have celiac disease, you probably should be getting some gluten. It says that packaged gluten-free foods are shitty substitutes for packaged gluten-containing foods, nutritionally speaking. Hmm. And this was according to research that was presented at the European Society for Pediatric Gastroenterology, Hepatology, and Nutrition. So I ask you a question, like, what's... I know it's like a big fad, people going gluten-free, mm-hmm. but why? Like, is there a reason, like, they say it's healthier for you, or... I think it was presumed to be healthier. Yeah. And people were jumping on that bandwagon thinking that, you know, if you ate something alternative to flour, because then a lot of times they talk about what makes you fat is sugars and flours, refined flours. Right. So people were thinking if I you go the gluten-free route, you won't be as likely to get fat or... You know, pack on, you know, take as many calories. Because I know people talk, some, some people I've met talk about it almost like it's like, oh, there's organic and gluten-free is like even better, mm-hmm. like if it's organic and gluten-free. And I'm like, well, organic's organic, gluten-free. I don't know. It's like... It's very different. Yeah. This article taught, uh, you know, says that there are gluten-free versions of foods people like to eat, including bread and pasta. But in order to get a similar flavor and texture, companies have to add other ingredients like corn or rice flour, or potato starch. These kinds of tweaks lead to changes in the product's nutritional profile. That is, the amount of calories, protein, fat, carbs, fiber, and sugar per serving. So a team from the Medical Research Institute Hotel or Hospital La Fe in Valencia, Spain, investigated. And they bought 654 gluten-free products and compared them to 655 of their gluten-containing counterparts by analyzing the data on the nutritional facts labels. They broke the foods into the following groups. Bread, roll bread, bread toast, bread bun, pasta, flour, breakfast cereals, biscuits, pastries, pizza, snacks, ready meals, battered, and ice cream. They found that overall, gluten-free products were slightly higher in calories than traditional ones and contained way less protein. Gluten is a protein after all. Some standard foods had two to three times the amount of protein than their gluten-free versions, especially in the case of bread, pasta, pizza, and flour. Hmm. Gluten-free bread was a particularly weak replacement. Not only was it lower in protein, it was higher in sugar and fat than regular bread. Several gluten-free foods actually had equal or higher amounts of fiber compared to standard products, but gluten-free pasta, cereal, and snacks had a lower fiber content. Wow. Yeah. And now mean, one caveat they do say is that this was all purchased in Spain. So it's unclear if the findings would be replicated in other countries. Huh. I think it's just, it goes back to like, you know, whenever you talk about dieting and people talk about like, oh, I want to eat, you know, like, you know, lower fat, lower sugar, whatever. Eating 
just changing how much you eat is better than trying to change to a more processed product. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just, you know, eat natural stuff. Yeah, the more natural you can get, the better off you are. You know, Unless you have an allergy. I mean, if you have gluten allergy, that's, that's it's nice that yeah. the products are available because they used to be really hard to find. Now it's readily available. So There's plenty of beers that are gluten-free too these days. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like I yeah. always wonder, like, I don't know. So yeah. they just take the gluten protein out of all these products? But yeah, but they also find other substitutes, you know, like yeah, like said, potato starch and rice flours, corn flours. Hmm. So it's not necessarily healthier, but you know, it was just a, a trend for a while, and people were. Yeah, it was a big trend, right? For a little bit, people for like, a couple of years, yeah, it was a big thing. People was eating all gluten free, and I'm like, I, I don't know, are you allergic? Like, no, just eating gluten free. Yeah, some of the gluten free pastas are actually pretty good. We got a uh, a black bean pasta from Trader Joe's. I think they're uh, the little spiral noodles. Yeah. And it was like eating black beans, you know, with the, the texture was a little little denser, but it was, I mean, it was good. I got the, uh, from Costco, I got the edamame pasta. You ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, the black one, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, yeah. Um, it's like a little more delicate than regular pasta, I guess. Yeah, you got you to gotta watch it when you're boiling it because you can, when you overcook it, it just gets mushy and gross. Breaks apart, right? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I didn't overcook it. It was good. It was... uh. Definitely did with a little olive oil or something. It was nice. Nice. Not bad. Good substitute. But get your gluten. Eat your pizza. Eat your tacos. Get your gluten on. Get your gluten on. All right. This is a, a fun story. So <laughs> the world's first sex doll brothel could be heading to the UK very soon. So um, Brexit. More like Brenter. <laughs> so there's a company, Lumidolls, that um, is planning to set up a sex doll brothel uh, in the UK, and it is you. You look at the website. Well, for this story, it's pretty pretty funny. They actually have uh, some samples of the type of sex dolls that they're going to have, um, and they look actually pretty interesting, pretty attractive. Lumidolls dot com. L U M I D O L S. And <laughs> Lumidolls is the first sex doll agency in Europe. Book your doll now. So. I guess they're going to have a whole system where you go to a a a doll brothel and you do your do your business. Then they have a cleanup crew, and then they that's it. Somebody comes in and they keep keep that thing going. The weird thing is, so they have the different dolls, and gotta say they're uh, they they look somewhat realistic to a degree. Their proportions are very well. It's like the real doll. I mean, they've had those for a while, right? People say they're pretty real, but... The weirdest thing about it is, so you can go to the different ones, and you go to the the page for them, and they have rates. So you're actually paying for the service of the doll, which just seems kind of weird. They run it just like a brothel. I guess so. It's very strange. (laughs) 30-minute service, 80 euros. Hour service, 100 euros. And then there's other services available all nights at home that you can inquire about. Like a 10-minute service? Like, how long are you spending with this this piece of plastic? It's... Cuddling with it? Like, what else is going on here? Talking to it? Are you asking it questions? Yeah, right. Yes, I need, like, three hours because I want to have a conversation, then a little, you you know, a little action, and then, you know, maybe some cuddling and more conversation. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, this is interesting. And I guess I... Like, I wonder what sort of cleanup service they have like do they have it you know you gotta submerge that thing in alcohol man i just got a new something just got a new dishwasher and it has 
on the the top shelf, it has the bottle cleaners. So it's is that for the like flashlight? You put the flashlight. Yes. In? Well, it works wonderfully for the f- <laughs> flashlight. It's like a little post that shoots water through, and you press the, the button. Oh, there you go. Like, do they have a hookup for the real dolls with, for these Luma dolls? Well, think about it. Or like if a they power have... washer, you just kind of shove it inside of it and just blast it through the mouth. Like, I don't know. How does it work? Could be. Maybe they have. I wonder if they're having special dolls made for easier cleanup for public use. Because if it's not properly clean, that could be a bad thing. Just that saying. could be extremely. <laughs> <laughs> Negative for the next user, I would think. I'm saying the users maybe, well, maybe they'll have to wear protection. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird, too, because they have all these poses, too. <laughs> it is creepy. On the website. Well, the best is they have the different looking dolls. So they have, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, a like a Barbie doll looking one. And they have like a, you know, European style and Asian style. And you know what they they'll, they'll probably have like a pack of five of these, and they'll just you know okay this one's getting clean we'll put the the new one back in there like mm-hmm. you know rotate them out it's pretty pretty wild. Um, I mean the FAQ is fantastic on here. <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of sex can I have with a Luma doll? All our dolls, like all women, have an oral, vaginal, and anal orifice. Remember that you must use the single use lubricant that you will find in each of the rooms. Oh look at that. And then they ask, how do you guarantee the hygiene of the Luma dolls? Our Luma dolls are properly disinfected with special antibacterial soaps before and after every service. We guarantee the highest standards of hygiene in the fake doll arena. The whole in- they're, It's their industry now. They're industry standards for fake doll cleaning. They're actually looking for investors to finance new locations in the U.S. and in other countries. Yeah. Because it's not illegal. It's just, hey, I have a place where you do, you're basically masturbating in a room. Even better, they have a franch- <laughs> They have a franchise opportunities. This could be the new big thing. Gotta, I'm going to have to look cautiously into this. I like, uh, so on the website for Luma Dolls, they have the, the different outfits that they'll put them in. Mm-hmm. They have the executive, which is <laughs> a shirt, blazer, and sexy underwear. The schoolgirl. One of the popular fetishes, um, and it's like a little schoolgirl outfit with a <laughs> with a uh, short skirt, and the fitness girl. So those are the three outfits, I guess they're they're promoting. That's it, huh? And I'm sure they do lingerie. And wow, you actually buy these things too, like the doll itself. They're like two thousand euros. <laughs> yeah, that's like the um, holy shit. They had that. I remember when they first came out with the real doll that was on Stern. Remember mm-hmm. they had like. It was, like, expensive, but they're, like, it's, like, a real, like, it feels like a real person, whatever, supposedly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, now we won't talk to anybody because we'll be on Instagram and Facebook, and now we don't even have to get busy with anybody. So, we're pretty much going to just not have sex with anybody ever again and just, we're going to phase out the whole race of people. We're just not necessary anymore It's at this crazy. Point. Wow, some of these are even more than 2,000 euros. This one's 2,500, and she's on sale. Oh, you're looking at the store? Yeah. You can actually buy these things. Yeah, the discount ones with, like, the misform hand or something. <laughs> the one's, like, melted in the oven a little bit. <laughs> you got one for, like, you know, can you take, like, 500 euros off? This one had a stroke, it looked like. God damn. Oh, my God. That's a different fetish, probably. It probably is. I'm sure someone is super into that. Yeah. Into the melted doll. Damn. Yeah, these are extremely creepy 
I got to tell you. Canada is 2,400 euro. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Nikki's got a nice little pose there. Yeah. She's uh, she's down. Down to party. Wow. Yeah. These are ridiculous. I, I mean. And you can put them in your cart. I love like, yeah, I'm going to put $1,900 in, in the 1,900 euro in the cart for a real doll. And you can pick the centimeters. I guess it's how tall There's different are. heights. Yeah. Wow. Different categories of heights. Yeah. So what if you want to buy the same one in different heights? Is that creepy? I don't know. I don't know if they're... Or, or is it creepy well, buying one in the first place? I don't know if they're available in different heights. I think it's like only certain dolls are, are certain heights. Oh. It just categorizes them for you. Oh, I see. I see. Duh. I mean... Duh. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Oh, I like them tall. 168 centimeters. They don't have any. Not available, sir. What's up with that? You get nothing. That's tallism. Yeah, this is... That's heightism. Where would you put this thing when you're done with it? Right on the couch. Just leave yeah, it on the couch. Just leave it there. Well, you probably it's probably going to be in the bathtub soaking or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, you leave it in the car. <laughs> you take it to work <laughs> you with leave you. Leave it in the trunk. You take it to work. <laughs> I want to go out uh, have have lunch with my girlfriend. Yeah. Damn. Could you go in the Easy Pass or like the um, HOV lanes? You got her in there. I'm sure somebody's going to marry one of these soon. It's it's going to happen. Oh, of course. You know, it's it's a matter of time. What crazy shit can we think of? It's going to happen. So you can acquire a Luma Dolls master franchise. Wait for the custody battle. That's going to happen too. They're going to somebody getting divorced is going to fight over a Luma doll. <laughs> it's quite possible. It just Yeah, this is That's wild. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight knowing these things exist. <laughs> hey, I'm just wondering the uh investment opportunity here. Yeah. I have a Luma doll franchise. I could be the king of Luma doll. The king of the king of fake brothels. Imagine that you like you have like have a kid and you go to like their uh their like you know what do you bring your kid to bring your dad to work day like what do you do like how did you get your money dad it's like well you know I started this franchise of you know, sex dolls and you know your twelve fake nannies that's my sex dolls yeah that's hey happy sixteenth birthday kid look what I got you hey you like that new car why don't you Boom. just shut up and uh, accept. Daddy's look, job. Look what's in the trunk. Oh, <laughs> doll. Yeah. In um, a way, I guess there is something positive here about I, this. But I, I guess you know you're not hurting any humans. Mm-hmm. You're not really hurting any plastic, any latex, whatever it's made out of. Yeah. I wonder if I can make like a weird science, like a like reboot weird science movie. Oh, Kelly LeBrock version. Well, Kelly LeBrock is. I mean, she's just not curvy enough for the for our our new standards of beauty. That's true. You know yeah. they're going to do celebrity dolls. Mm-hmm. That's next. Oh, my God. That's yes. right. You're going to have the Jenna Jameson one. You're going to have the... Well, you can get the real one for probably like 50 bucks, couldn't you? Like probably. real Jenna Jameson? Pre- pretty beat up now. Yeah. Uh, Did the Katy Perry or like the... Uh, Katy Perry. Scarlett right. Johansson. Ooh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I get two of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like two to have your menage, menage nothing. It's oh, wasn't there like that weird movie with uh, Ryan Gosling back in the day? It was called like Lars and the Real Girl, where he had like this. Oh, really? Oh, I gotta look this up. Lars and the Real Girl. So this was like before Ryan Gosling oh, it came got, right up, dude. Got super popular. <laughs> like before he was like a he's a bunch of like indie films and stuff back. Is Ryan day. Gosling? Yes. Yeah, Lars and the Real Girl. So it's about him. And he has this like a sex do, doll. And a delusional like, young man stripe, strikes up an unconventional relationship with a doll he finds on the internet. Yeah. 
That, actually this is a pretty it. good movie. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, he buys this this, you know, sex doll and like brings her to like dinner with his family and it's it's <laughs> interesting. It got very good reviews. It got like what 7.8 on oh. uh IMDb or something. Yeah, some of the reviews are like, I thought it was going to be stupid and it's actually a pretty good movie, like all that stuff. 7.4 on IMDb, 81% Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. Might have to put that on the list now that this is going to be a thing. Yeah. So Lars and the Real Girl. So now we can see what it would be like if you decided to go that route. So let's say you're visiting the UK from another country. Sex tourism is back. Back. It's back, baby. It's back. You're, You're just going here for some, you know... Robot sex, I guess. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Robo sex, robo masturbation, like assisted masturbation is and really what d- it is. She doesn't fit in the dishwasher, right? Because <laughs> that would be really handy. Maybe they have parts that come out and then they you can put them in the dishwasher. See, that's where the special, like the special uh, design of it. Yeah. You take out the parts that need washing mm-hmm. from the doll and then you put that in the in a special dishwasher. Yeah. Or autoclave. <laughs> Something to... Something for the germaphobe to be be okay with. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, if you thought we were going to end it on that, you are very incorrect because we had breaking news. Breaking news. Just today. So we've been ending this podcast on some pretty this weird... Is really close to when we were doing the podcast. This, this is, is like very close. Very weird. Next really to my breaking. hometown. <laughs> New Jersey man high on PCP busted after he stops car in the middle of the Lincoln Tunnel to masturbate. Damn, busted after busting in. <laughs> yes, the Lincoln Tunnel became the tunnel of self-love when a man high on PCP blocked traffic with his minivan to take time to pleasure himself, <laughs> authorities say. Self-love. Port Authority cops busted Ishmael Esquilin, 48, of Passaic, New Jersey at about 7.15 p.m. Thursday when his Dodge minivan was found stopped in the middle of the New Jersey-bound side of the Hudson River Tunnel, oh holding God. up traffic. Oh, when cops wow. approached the car, they found him removing his clothes and performing a lewd act. Wow. Then, uh, they found I'm surprised they didn't shoot him. Cops yeah. found a glass pipe and a small glass bottle containing PCP on the passenger seat floor. Damn. Yeah. Did he think he was somewhere else, maybe? I, I don't know. Cops covered him with a blanket, and he admitted that he had smoked PCP, but refused to take a breathalyzer test. Oh, you smoked PCP? Oh, I'm sorry. That was hard to 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 guess from. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Now, if there was a... He loves his mama and PCP. <laughs> if there was a fake brothel around, he wouldn't have had to do that. He could have just gone to the fake brothel, had his thing, and, you know. Well, he was driving a minivan, so I don't know if that meant he was... You know, it was a van for delivering stuff, whatever he was, oh, whatever if he was at work or something. Or it was his personal van that his family rides around in that he was like, oh, finally, sweet freedom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alone, finally. Just me alone in this tunnel. Bam. The tunnel of self-love. I like that. The goddamn Daily News, they can write <laughs> a terrible story like nobody's business. You know, they're sitting around like, no, no, tunnel of self-love. That, that's a good one. Self-love, perfect. Perfect. Gold. That's gold. You're getting promoted. That's awesome. Wow. That's a... Uh, That's a humdinger of a story, as pre- they say. Pretty interesting news. And this was really like two hours before we started our yeah, podcast. This was, this was wow. just recently, yeah. So this happens in your neighborhood a lot? 
on a little bit more that I really want to admit, which is kind of why we're moving. But. Do you think it's like, you know, with the introduction of spring, everybody's happy to be able to get out? And he, he figured, you know, it's nice out today. Let me just... No, nah, I think it was just PCP. <laughs> just PCP. Just PCP. Not the weather, just PCP. Just PCP. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's. I don't know. I've never done PCP, so I, I, I can't, you know, I can't speak from... Well, after hearing this story, you probably want to go run out and grab some, right? I don't know. It's kind of... It's interesting. Let's put if only that the way. Silk Road was still up, you could go score some. Well, there's ways. Yeah, didn't Silk Road come back up a couple times? But yeah. they keep closing, taking it. back down again. Yeah. Damn. See this? Why this guy had a, you know, I don't know. Yeah, check out that book too. Uh, there's a new book out called American Kingpin on Amazon and Audible and stuff. They're not sponsoring us yet, but perhaps one day. Uh, it's a great book. I blasted through it in like three days and. Uh, Nice. Riveting, crazy. I, remember, I knew the story, but it, just getting the details of it was pretty, uh, pretty eye opening. So, crazy. anybody doesn't know Silk Road since it's not existing right now. Yeah, what was that? It was a a site on the dark web where you could purchase drugs, hacking tools, weapons, uh, organs at times if they were available. I think he got uh, the guy running it got busted eventually because somebody allegedly got killed off of it. Right, a hitman. Thing. He allegedly had at least half a dozen people whacked. Wow. That's yeah, pretty... allegedly. Well, not him personally or him personally? He allegedly, yeah, like contracted out people to do it. Oh, uh, okay. Because I thought that was one of the other things that was getting traded, services like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, it, the book is definitely worth checking out. But yeah, he he uh, he got in trouble for setting up hits and using the Hells Angels to just like whack people really yeah. i gotta read this book it's, it's really of, good yeah this seems like a uh, many layers american kingpin yeah it's worth checking out cool all right so anything else you want to add to mr pcp i think that's it just uh i would say don't do pcp or masturbate by the tunnel of self-love get yourself one of these dolls <laughs> and take care of your business in the privacy of your own home if right. no one gets hurt Fletchlight's a mini doll. Let's put it that way. Think how much less money you're spending on cocaine for hookers by getting one of these dolls. Exactly. It's reusable. You're keeping girls clean, you know? Keeping it's them a, off the street. It's a one-time investment. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please check us out at skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials. And we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya. See ya.